This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Episode 3 of Viral, a podcast series looking at the spread of COVID-19 as it continues to affect Ireland and the international world in a growing capacity. I'm Ian Doyle. On today's podcast, we look at who are the at-risk groups and what does that term actually mean? WHO has been assessing this outbreak around the clock and we're deeply concerned both by the alarming levels of spread and severity and by the alarming levels of inaction. We have therefore made the assessment that COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all again for coming in. Um, today we're updating with developments. Um, unfortunately, I'm reporting the first death of a patient with COVID-19 in this country. It was a female uh, from the east of the country with an underlying medical condition. As we have just heard, Ireland has confirmed its first COVID-19-related death, which has happened in the east of the country. We now have 61 confirmed cases on the island, 43 in the Republic and 18 up north. In news outside of Ireland, the World Health Organization has now upgraded the virus to a global pandemic in light of more data coming out. So it's been a busy 24 hours of news surrounding the coronavirus. I spoke to the Irish Sun's Danny Deval about these movements as the Department of Health gear up to move into a new phase of coronavirus containment across Ireland. As mentioned, we also have a special report looking at the team of at-risk groups and what that term actually means. For it, we caught up with Dr. Lindsay Broadbent, a virologist from Queen's University, Belfast, who looks at what factors put others in this category. I also had the pleasure of speaking to Vicky Phelan, who is a woman's health advocate living with terminal cancer, and we discussed how the coronavirus has changed many parts of her life for the foreseeable future. I'm joined by the Irish Sun's Danny Deval once again in the Department of Health on Baggett Street. Danny, I suppose the most notable bit of information we got from today's conference was that Ireland has seen its first death of COVID-19. What was said about this instance was much given away. We didn't get too much detail about the victim. What we did learn at the press conference today was that it was a female who sadly passed away in the east of the country who had an underlying medical condition. We believe she has died in the last 24 hours, but, but no other details were given about the victim's age or where specifically they were from, just that was in the east of the country. 
Can you talk us through what measures are being taken out to enhance the Department of Health's containment phase that we're talking about today? They were saying that they're going to try and up these now over the next couple of weeks, um, possibly in response to the first death that we saw this afternoon. Today, the issue three new measures to the general public, to all healthcare workers and to the HSC. Specific to the public, they're calling on people just to continue to hand wash, to enact proper cough and sneeze etiquette, and considering limiting people's social interactions to avoid indoor crowded spaces, not to have too much close personal contact. They're also calling on people to avoid close contact with people who are sick um, and who have known symptoms of COVID-19. Um, Dr Tony Houlihan called on all health workers to raise their index of suspicion for anybody they believe may be suffering with symptoms of COVID-19. Finally, the HSE will be substantially increasing its contact tracing and surveillance capacity in the coming days in a bid to figure out anybody who who's come into close contact with any of the confirmed cases of COVID-19. I focus on respiratory viruses um, and I really look at what happens when we get infected with respiratory viruses and how our immune system responds to those. We spoke to Dr Lindsay Broadbent, who is a virologist and research fellow at Queen's University, Belfast. And really what kind of damage can occur following infection from respiratory viruses. So at the minute, I'm focusing my work on influenza. A respiratory virus basically means that the primary site of infection, i.e. the area that the virus wants to infect, is in your lungs. Your respiratory tract can be anywhere from your nose and the back of your throat all the way down into the deep parts of your lungs. And different viruses like to infect different parts. Like with the common cold, it likes really living in the kind of upper respiratory system. Whereas this new coronavirus, it seems like it can go quite deep into the lungs and cause quite bad, what would commonly be referred to as chest infections. At-risk groups are a very broad term for anyone who might not have particularly good immunity, and this can be for a variety of reasons. People over the age of 70 and 80 tend to not have the best immune systems, which often makes them more vulnerable. For groups younger than this, there generally has to be an underlying condition to put you at risk. We're talking things like uh, kind of immune suppression or if they have diabetes or heart disease or lung disease. And that basically means that your body is already in a state of trying to keep you healthy and keep you alive. So it's already working um, because you have those conditions. And then if you add something on top of that, like coronavirus, sometimes people just can't cope with the infection at the same time. Do you find that most people who are at risk, they're able to self-identify this? Or would some people be living with some conditions and not know it necessarily? Most people will know it, it would be a diagnosed condition. As I mentioned, things like diabetes, heart disease, lung disease. Um, the only ones we have to be careful of, really, are the people with undiagnosed heart disease or bad coronary disease. And not everyone is aware that they have that. And if someone was to have a compromised immune system, is there any extra precautions that should be taken in that scenario? There's no extra precautions than they can take than anyone else with the basic hygiene, hand washing, avoiding crowded areas. Um, and I would stress that if any of their friends or family think they may have been in contact with someone that's ill or if they themselves are ill, don't visit um, the person that might be immune compromised. Just leave it a week or two, preferably two, um, and make sure that you aren't passing something on to them. The coronavirus has sickened over 100,000 people globally at this stage, and that number is rising daily. Aside from this, though, doctors have noticed something extremely curious about the disease, which is very few children have been diagnosed with it. We have 
no idea at the minute why kids seem to be suffering less severe disease than older people. This is a focus of research. They do still get infected. They can't have incredibly high amounts of virus in their bodies, but not have many symptoms, which means kids can still pass this on. Even adults can have asymptomatic infection and pass this on. But it just means that kids, for some reason, are a lot less likely to end up in hospital. Can you speak to us about the current case fatality rate at the moment? It's being broadcast at 3-4% by the WHO, but there's a lot of specialists and a lot of healthcare professionals that are kind of questioning that as well. What's your opinion on it? Yeah, 34 is very high, um, and it would be something we would worry about. However, the data is still very new. and is not entirely reliable because we're trying to take data from lots of different companies that um, collect this data in different ways. They have different rules for inclusion in the case fatality rate. And it means that figure of 3.4% might be overestimated. For example, in South Korea, I think the case fatality rate is 0.5. So it really depends on their inclusion criteria and and on how many people they're testing. The more people we test, the more people we find that are mildly infected, and that means the case fatality rate will be much lower. Um, so I, I think that 3.4% will probably decrease um, when we see this infection, when we're kind of at the back end of this infection period. The vast, vast majority of people are over the age of 70 that have suffered fatal disease. There are a few cases of young adults um, and even a couple of children that have um, passed away due to coronavirus, and which is something we need to be aware of because no one is immune to this and we will see case fatalities in every category. Um, but by and large, the majority of people are otherwise known as the vulnerable group. Although it wasn't specifically regarding at-risk groups, Lindsay had been quoted in an interview with the Belfast Telegraph stating she believed it was probable that at least 40 to 70% of the population would contract the virus. So this was mathematical modelling from someone at Harvard that predicted 40 to 70% of the global population would be infected. Um, And that figure still stands, but with some caveats, because countries have responded so quickly to this, that may have reduced quite drastically. We've seen a fantastic response from the UK and Irish governments, and they're getting the message out there at the minute about um, how this virus spreads and the precautionary measures people can take. So we may be lucky and we may much less spread than the predicted uh, 40 to 70%. First of all, I just want to say uh, once again that how saddened I was to hear about um, the case of Vicky Phelan um, and the extent to which I feel for her and her family. And I am full of sorrow that she wasn't diagnosed sooner. And I wish her and her family uh, the very best on the difficult road ahead. In 2018, Vicky Phelan became a household name in Ireland after winning a high court case against a US laboratory that was subcontracted by Cervical Check, the National Cervical Screening Programme, after colossal failures in their Cervical Check screening programme came to attention. Cancorla, what happened to so many women and their families should not have happened. And I apologise to all those hurt or wronged. And we vow now to make sure that it never happens to anyone else ever again. Vicky, along with others, have established 221 Plus, a support group for women and families affected by the scandal. She is now living with terminal cervical cancer with the help of a new immunotherapy drug that she has fought the government to be put on. There are no curative options with this mm. 
cancer. So, you know, this drug is keeping me alive and it's been fantastic for me. I've been on it almost two years, um, but it's a new drug uh, and it probably won't cure me. Uh, you know, that's the reality. If I'm lucky, I'll probably get another three years, maybe four years. And I'm hoping in that time that something new will come out or that, you know, you know, like everybody living with an illness like this, you're always hoping that something new or a breakthrough will happen mm. and that something will come uh, on, on, on stream that I'd be able to try something else. So, you know, uh, even though I, I don't tend to dwell on it too often about, you know, my, my situation, um, I, I kind of don't plan too far ahead either for that reason, because, you know, mm. you just don't know what's down the line. But, you know, in general, I'm very well. Out of the last two years that I've been on this drug, I've only spent one week in hospital, mm. which is absolutely amazing for somebody in my condition, um, because I've met lots of people, you know, with terminal cancer who are on the palliative chemotherapy um, drugs who end up in hospital quite a lot with infections. So, you know, I know how lucky I am that I'm able to literally just go up and down for treatment and and, and really live with a great quality of life, you know. Can you cast yourself back to the beginning of January when news about COVID-19 started to come out? Obviously, it's mainly to do with people's respiratory functions, but for someone with a weakened immune system or for people with underlying health illnesses, viruses like these tend to be a lot more dangerous for them. At what point did you think it was advisable to get some information off your oncologist? Probably from the very beginning, I suppose I'm just one of those people that I, I, I have a huge interest in, in health anyway and in conditions. And as soon as this uh, virus, uh, you know, started to come into the news, I, I started reading everything about it because obviously, you know, I have cancer and I know that a lot of these um, viruses do affect people with a, um, a weakened immune system. And I also have a daughter who has a, a, an underlying medical condition. So, you know, it's not just for me that I have to do this. It's for her. So I'm always kind of, I suppose, clued in uh, when there's anything new that comes on stream because of the fact that there's two of us in our household hmm. that have uh, underlying medical conditions. So I, I read up an awful lot about these things, you know, and I go beyond the news. I start reading medical journal articles and everything like I'm desperate. <laughs> I'm one of those people who reads and tries to find out as much as I can about it. And I suppose at the beginning, I wasn't overly worried. And I started doing, you know, what we were being advised to do with the hand washing and um, you know, keeping my distance from hmm. people and telling the kids to sneeze and cough. Like many, Vicky hadn't seen a huge cause for concern for her own health until the virus began to proliferate parts of Europe. That's when I started to kind of think, oh my God, this is you know starting to get very close to home. Um, the numbers are starting to increase. And I suppose two or three days ago when we saw the first cases here, you know, in, in Clare and Limerick, um, and, you know, we found out more about the, 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 the person who, uh, con- who, who was the, contracted it, that he had worked in an emergency department in Limerick, um, had worked at the Shannon Dock, which is, you know, like the, the care dock or whatever you mm. want to call it, you know, the, the on-call doctor uh, for two days, you know, and I was thinking about, the, you know, in my head kind of going, my God, that, you know, that man has been in touch with quite a lot of people and people who are vulnerable, uh, you know, as well. So I started to think at that stage, well, it's time to start kind of, you know, controlling my own environment and and to stop um, going into areas where there's going to be large gatherings of people. And that's kind of, um, you know, what I got advice on then from my own oncologist. And he supported that um, and basically told me that, you know, at this stage that, that, you know, that the numbers that were increasing, that it's advisable for me to to avoid large gatherings, you know, as much as possible. So that's what I'm doing. Vicky already has to take extra precautions each day to try and aid her immune system. These will be furthered in a bid to isolate herself from others who may carry the virus. You know, I've been at home all day. I haven't even gone outside the door apart from to collect my son. And even at that, when I collected my son from school today, I just uh, stayed in the car and he got in. You know, so I, I'm not 
kind of engaging where there's lots of gatherings mm. of, of people because I, I have to protect myself um, because unfortunately when you're in a high-risk category like I am, the problem is that, you know, up to 80% of people, if they get this, will be fine. Um, yeah. But, you know, there is that 20% and I'm in that category that, um, you know, you can get a very severe form of this disease. And I know already, you know, with the drug that I'm on, pembrolizumab, one of the side effects of this drug is uh, very similar to one of the, the, the things that happens with the coronavirus, which is pneumonitis, you know, where you develop problems with your um, your lungs. So, you know, already I'm at a, a disadvantage in that drug that I'm on it will already, you know, weaken my uh, ability to fight that. So, you know, it is a very real uh, issue for me at the moment. How does that make you feel that this might disrupt your life for the foreseeable future for the next few months? Yeah, it's, it's difficult, you know. I mean, I'll give you one concrete example. This weekend I've had to cancel, you know, two events that I was supposed to go to. Um, one which was a fundraising event for the Children's Grief Centre in Limerick, which I really wanted to attend um, on Sunday, but there's going to be 300 people at that, um, and it's based in Limerick. So, you know, with the fact that there are quite a number of people in Limerick who have been affected by the, the, I really couldn't attend that on Sunday. But I feel terrible that I, I've had to pull out at such short notice. But, mm. you know, unfortunately, you know, this is an unprecedented situation that we mm. find ourselves in. One of the, the difficult decisions I've had to make, you know, and I made it last week, actually, we were supposed to go to see Liverpool match this weekend in Anfield and you know I made a decision last week ever before the cases started increasing here in Ireland to cancel that because I just thought you know what uh, I'm not going to put myself in a situation yep. where we're in airports and in a big stadium with lots of people um, not just for myself but for bringing it back to Ireland I was thinking of other people as well and I think we all need to do a bit more of that by thinking of other people that you might actually you know you may not uh, you know get it yourself you know, but what if my son got it and was a carrier and brought it back and transmitted it to somebody who wasn't able to fight it? You know, so we have to think of other people. And that, that's the reality. That was episode three of Viral COVID-19. We'll be back on Friday for the final episode of our opening week. In it, we will be looking at whether the coronavirus has increased racist behaviour around Ireland. Speaking to Galway artist Jin Young and Brian Killeran, CEO of the Immigrant Council of Ireland. I'd like to thank Vicky Phelan, Dr. Lindsay Broadbent, and the Irish Sons, Danny Duval, for all taking part in today's podcast. I'm Ian Doyle. I'll talk to you on Friday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.